The countdown has begun. From May 14th to 16th, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections, gain unique insights and uncover valuable opportunities in one of the world's most rapidly rising regions. Request your invite for this exclusive event at QatarEconomicForum.com. Welcome to Prognosis. I'm Laura Carlson. Before we get started, we still want to hear what holiday season COVID dilemmas you're facing. To have us run your questions by an expert, record a voicemail by calling 646-324-3490. We may use your voice on the show. It's day 226 since coronavirus was declared a global pandemic. Today's main story, the addictive money app Robinhood has been a surprise COVID success story after it made day trading a pandemic pastime. But now the company is trying to figure out how to make money from its devoted fans. But first, here's what happened in virus news today. U.S. daily cases broke records, topping 80,000 on Friday and Saturday according to data compiled by Johns Hopkins University and Bloomberg. The virus is still hitting the Dakotas, Montana, and Wisconsin hardest, but the alarming trend has been slowly moving to Illinois, Indiana, Michigan, Ohio, and even Pennsylvania. Cases are also rising in northeastern states, like New York and New Jersey, that had kept the virus under control for months. Despite the alarming rise in cases, White House Chief of Staff Mark Meadows said in an interview on CNN that the U.S. is, quote, not going to control the pandemic. Meadows said that the U.S. response will be focused on vaccines and treatments, not containment. Meanwhile, a new study showed universal masking in the U.S. could save some 130,000 lives by the end of February. The projections were made by some of the nation's top COVID-19 trackers at the University of Washington and appeared Friday in the journal Nature Medicine. Public health officials don't expect a vaccine to be widely available until March or April 2021, which means wearing masks and other non-pharmaceutical measures will likely be the only option to reduce the spread of the virus until then. The researchers analyzed how the virus spread across states, then used those data to project how mask wearing and other variables, such as seasonal pneumonia and testing rates, would impact virus spread in the future. Finally, Americans are rushing to pharmacies in record numbers for seasonal flu shots. Public health officials say that may help avoid a so-called twindemic. CVS Health has already surpassed the 9 million flu shots it gave during the entire previous flu season and expects to double that number by the end of this cycle, according to a spokesman. And now for today's main story. The online trading platform Robinhood has become one of the COVID economy's breakout successes. 
Americans marooned at home, binge-watched Netflix shows, went shopping on Amazon Prime, and discovered day trading on their mobile phones. Robinhood traders became the shorthand explanation for the frenzy of often speculative retail investing in the pandemic lockdowns. Now in the spotlight, Robinhood is racing to prove it can manage a simple online trading platform and overcome a reputation for poor customer service. It has paused efforts to expand into Europe and Asia and gone on a hiring spree. I spoke to reporter Annie Massa about Robinhood's next act. The countdown has begun. From May 14th to 16th, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Carter Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections, gain unique insights and uncover valuable opportunities in one of the world's most rapidly rising regions. Request your invite for this exclusive event at QatarEconomicForum.com. It's an understatement to say probably it's been an odd year for markets, but one trading app, Robinhood, seems to have had a particularly very good year. And I was wondering if you could talk about some of the successes it's seen in 2020. Sure. Robinhood has been absolutely one of the breakout successes of the COVID economy, I would say. It was always out there as a popular trading app, and you can trade for free, which has now become the industry standard as of last year. But Retail trading really caught fire as people were at home during COVID-19 lockdowns this year. So maybe you could walk us through just how Robinhood got going and, and what its story was up until, say, 2020. Robinhood started in 2013, and it always staked its reputation on this idea that trading should be for everyone. Everyone should be included in investing and you know, empowered to trade stocks and other financial instruments. And that resonates with people, but but never quite like this year. So uh, what happened this year is it just like the customers surged. In the first four months of the year, you had 3 million new users signing up for Robinhood accounts. Now, let's remember these investors are a little bit like smaller, typically like smaller account size investors. Half of their new users were new to investing at all this year. And I think that speaks to how this has been a different year while people are, you know, stuck at home during the pandemic and, you know, without things like sports games to bet on. And that raises a really interesting point. I know in your article, you mentioned the quote unquote gamification of trading. And I was wondering if you might go into this concept of how Robinhood in many ways has capitalized on on making trading essentially a game. Yeah. So Robinhood is interesting because it started as an app native experience. It was built for the iPhone. And that's different from Fidelity or E-Trade, Schwab, any of the legacy brokerages. Some of these, you know, these have decades of history, these, these platforms, and they certainly were not built with, originally with an app in mind. Now, of course, they've got their apps of their own. But Robinhood's really a standout in that it was built to be used on your phone. And 
the whole idea is to make trading really seamless. And something a lot of the executives talked about, the executives that I interviewed for the story talked about, is the idea that they want to even make the experience delightful. That's kind of a Silicon Valley term that's thrown around on user experience. So they want to make trading delightful. Now, that's not something that you hear a lot of people on Wall Street talk about experience-wise, that they want the experience of using something they're producing to be like delightful to customers. But it's very Silicon Valley, and it, it kind of reflects the way Robinhood has laid out their app. Now, some of the differences that you might see between the Robinhood app and, and maybe another kind of brokerage account, it's super easy. It takes just a couple minutes to set up your account, everything built really with the phone in mind. So, you know, you can be sitting on the couch, lounging on the go, wherever you are, taking out your phone and um, trading. And it has little other quirks, like kind of cheeky little ideas, like when you first place a trade, you get this confetti blast animation, you know, you can invite friends and get, get a free stock for inviting your friends. And it may, and Robinhood makes it easy to just connect contacts from your phone. It's really built more so than other investment platforms with the brand new user in mind and what will get this person to, to come back again and again. And that also raises an, an interesting perhaps comparison point of Robinhood, as you said, has done extremely well during the pandemic as people have been at home with very little else to do. Have other investment platforms done similarly well or is Robinhood really the standout star? Yes, that is a really good question. It's true that while Robinhood has really captured this zeitgeist, the retail trading frenzy that we've seen this year has lifted all of those classic retail brokerages. And they've all gone gangbusters this year with new accounts and, and trading activity. So it's been an industry-wide trend. With this delightful aesthetic or experience that they're cultivating and the many kind of game-like features of the platform, I was wondering if you might dig deeper into what is a typical Robinhood user? You said that they are oftentimes first-time traders, but is there anything else that makes a Robinhood user stand apart from a user, say, of a traditional brokerage or investment platform? Absolutely. While they don't release very detailed demographic data, you can tell at least by the people online and Reddit forums who are very visible Robinhood users that there is you know, a heavy male contingent. And I think something else that sets a Robinhood user apart from an other brokerage platforms is that a lot of them are, are hyper-connected to this entertainment ecosystem that's risen up alongside of the comeback of retail trading this year. And by that, I mean there, there's been a, a surge of YouTube personalities, TikTok videos, even Instagram you know, financial uh, talking heads that are, they're just kind of a self-styled, often very young group. And, you know, that millennial contingent is absolutely crucial to to Robinhood, both millennial and Gen Z, but about, about 80% of um, their assets under management come from millennial users. So I would say that one thing that sets apart that Robinhood demographic or might set them apart from others is... Um, these traders tend to be kind of hooked into this whole entertainment loop that's online as well on, on financial markets. 
Now, as you mentioned, one theory about Robin Hood's stunning success during the pandemic was due to the fact that many other outlets for for betting or major league sports were shut down for many months. But of course, we're now starting to see a lot of those leagues restart. We're starting to see that come back into play. Has that diminished or have we seen a decline in Robin Hood use? because of that? Or have they stayed strong even despite the return of, say, Major League Baseball or or football? Yeah, we're still in the early stages. And I think that it's not entirely clear what will happen to that Robin Hood use after we've got sports back and, you know, in a full-fledged way. But it is a really great question. And I think an important one for Robin Hood. You know, the idea was never for Robin Hood to only be uh, a trading app for its entire, you know, growth story. Robinhood wants to have users who grow up and kind of trust it with their financial lives. And they want to offer products like, you know, down the line, like IRAs even, or, you know, mortgages. So they've got bigger ambitions than this, just this trading idea. So I think that Robinhood would say, regardless of whether people stay um, trading at those heightened levels that you saw during the pandemic, They have other priorities that they want to um, address down the line. How has, I mean, in your discussions with people at Robinhood, how have they reacted to this unexpected success of 2020? And has that changed their direction at all in, in where to go from here into either 2021 or further down the line? I think it has kind of knocked the socks off of people at Robinhood, you know, and and who use the app as well. It's It certainly wasn't, like so many things this year, it was hardly a foreseeable occurrence. But I did talk to the co-founder of Lad Tenev for this piece, and he said that, you know, they've got more on the horizon that they want to be introducing. So they have had to stop and address some issues that have come up with their massive growth this year. And that includes things like they had a major outage in March, a big tech outage that, you know, cast a chill on on users and angered them, certainly. And they've had issues with around 2,000 in the neighborhood of 2,000 accounts being hacked. And, you know, Robinhood said that that didn't have to do with their own technology. It had to do with external emails. Still, people, you know, are upset with customer service. They're upset with um, some of the outages they've seen. And Robinhood has this year been refocusing on that core brokerage product, I think, in an attempt to get things right before moving on and expanding. But, you know, new new things to look out for might be something like, you know, an IPO possibly being pulled closer by what a crazy year they've had this year. That was Annie Massa. And that's it for our show today. For coverage of the outbreak from 120 bureaus around the world, visit Bloomberg.com slash coronavirus. And if you like the show, please leave us a review and a rating on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. It's the best way to help more listeners find our global reporting. The Prognosis Daily Edition is produced by Topher Forges, Jordan Gospure, Magnus Henriksen, and me, Laura Carlson. Today's main story was reported by Annie Massa. Original music by Leo Sidrin. Our editors are Rick Schein and Francesca Levy. Francesca Levy is Bloomberg's head of podcasts. Thanks for listening.
The countdown has begun. From May 14th to 16th, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections, gain unique insights and uncover valuable opportunities in one of the world's most rapidly rising regions. Request your invite for this exclusive event at QatarEconomicForum.com.